0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires
1: you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. There is one thing, however, though, that must be reigned in our life, and that's the subject of my message today. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, if you want to turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah is writing this uh A little bit of a history of his time period here. And he says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. High and lifted up and his train filled the temple. We love to quote that one. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Just so you understand what that's talking about, you know, when a king won a victory, they would add another length of material to his, his robe, his train. The train was what followed, kind of like a cape, so to speak. Some of you young guys, you know what Superman wears, a cape. The kings had like a cape, a train it was called. And if they won a battle, they would add a victory cloth to that. So Isaiah said, I saw the the Lord high and lifted up, and his train was longer than long. It filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With 20, he covered his face. With 20, he covered his feet. And with 20, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him. that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people. Of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. Have you ever seen something that appeared to be white until you put it next to something that is really white? Well, I thought that was clean. If you come to find out, that, that's what Isaiah is saying here. He said, "When I was in the presence of the Almighty King, the Lord of Hosts, I saw all my faults. I saw myself for who I really am." The dirt, the grime, the sin, the unclean things. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity. Thy sin is taken away and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I just want to preach to you today when pride is king. When pride is king. Pride cannot allow to go unchecked in our lives. Cannot you may be seated today. Thank you, Sister Graham. Now, <clears throat> I've had a lot of people come to me over my years of ministry that are just new and they're hungry, and uh, they don't know really too much about God's Word or where to get started. And oftentimes, you know, they they will ask me, "So where should I start reading? I don't know. the The Bible is overwhelming. I don't even know where to start." And so, a lot of times, you know, I, I tend to point people in the direction of the Book of Acts. Uh, Apostolic Pentecostals, uh, obviously, um, you know, we uh, we differ in some ways from uh, some other traditional doctrines. Uh, we go back to the Book of Acts, and so we still believe that that we are uh, the modern-day Book of Acts Church that is still still living, alive, and well, believed in all the things that took place in the book of Acts. And so the history of the birth of the New Testament church began there. We are simply a continuation of, of that church in so many ways. We, we are apostolic, uh, Pentecostal, and uh, we believe in the same things that the apostles taught and believed. And so I oftentimes I'll point somebody in that direction just to kind of give them some insight that we're not so different from what you may read about in the book of Acts. And you can go back there to see where it originated, the New Testament church began. I don't believe even one single time I've ever pointed anybody in the direction of Isaiah to begin reading there. Uh, people that come to me may be struggling with grief or needing encouragement. I might send them to a, a book in the Bible that would deliver those things, maybe Psalms or Proverbs for a little meaty word, you know, little tidbits of gold nuggets of wisdom from the writer who was the greatest, most wise king that has ever lived. Man, the book of Proverbs was fantastic for things like that, but I would probably not send them to the book of Isaiah. I don't want anybody to, take me wrong or misquote me today, I'm not saying that the book of Isaiah is any less important than any of the other books of the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's Word. There is none of it that needs to be tossed away or set aside or is outdated. I believe that that all of God's Word is very important and very valuable, but God's Word does speak to us differently from different books of the Bible. Uh, If you want to read some depressing things the reality of God's people at a certain era in their history, then I advise you, open up the book of Isaiah and start reading the first five chapters. It will fit exactly to a T if you're looking for some things to kind of bring you down a little bit, some depressing
0: things that were taking place. If you got a...
1: Begin to read by verse 4 you You'll of the very first chapter. It already begins to get a little heavy. Isaiah 1 and 4 says, Ah, sinful nation, it's a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backwards. There's one thing I can tell you today. Have you ever been around somebody that is a provoker? I was just in the presence of somebody here recently, and we got tickled uh, talking about it later, and uh, this particular person walked in, and he turned everything, even the good things we were talking about, the positive things, into a confrontation. And I just kind of rode the wave. I mean, I, I just, I didn't let it get to me, but but I left there thinking, that's not somebody I want to really hang out with. I really don't want to go out to supper with them. I don't really want to, to sit next to them. I don't want to go over to the house for game night, you know, because they are a provoker. But the Word of God tells us that God's people, they provoke God so much that it made him angry. If there's one thing I do not want God to feel towards me, it is anger. I do not want to suffer God's anger. The Bible says, woe unto the wicked, Isaiah three twenty four, and it shall come to pass that instead of, a, of sweet smell, there shall be stink. <laughs> oh, my. My wife would not let me cook some things in the house the other day before we had company. She said, you are not smelling. I want cabbage soup. I don't know why I woke up that morning and I said, Man, you know what sounds good to me? I bet you this is the first time in 38 years of marriage that I have ever woke up and said that this has ever come out of my mouth. You know what sounds good to me? Cabbage soup. I'm sure she expected biscuits and gravy, you know, or or some bacon and eggs and maybe a nice cheese omelet on the side or souffle or some quiche or something like that. But, no, I woke up craving cabbage soup, and I thought my sweet wife would look over and say, well, go ahead and make yourself some. She said, you are not making that cabbage soup. We are having company over It's why our children are coming. My house is not going to smell like cabbage soup. I said, yes, dear. So I waited until everybody left, and I made my cabbage soup. Think about what Isaiah is writing here. There used to be a sweet smell, but now everything stinks. Everything smells bad. Instead of a girdle, a, a, a rent, a tear, instead of well-set hair, and I can relate to this, instead of well-set hair, there will be baldness. There's not a morning that goes by that I don't look in the mirror and say, I am so glad that I lost all my hair. Now, I've been told I have a head for it. I have, you know, I, I'm beginning to kind of deal with it, but if I live to be, if I live to be 105, I think I will always wish that I had a full,
0: full head of hair. But no.
1: Nature, the hassle gene has finally caught up with the right side of the family. My da- dad passed away at 61 years of age with a full thick can of hair. And up until about the age of 45, I thought, man, I got my dad's genes. I mean, you know, And then all of a sudden, that hassle blood said, oh, no, you don't. Folically challenged, that's what I am. Folically challenged. Thy men shall fall by the sword, thy mighty in war, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. There's even one point where Isaiah compares, now this is not the Philistines he's talking about, this is Judah.
0: Judah. At
1: one point, Isaiah, the prophet, writes and compares the people of God, Judah, the tribe of Judah, to Sodom and Gomorrah. So if you're looking for a pick-me-up or a little encouraging word, you may want to pick a different book. But see, their plight, their circumstance is not without cause. There's a reason that they found themselves where they are at in the text that we read today brother jones was talking about the little steps you know i I don't believe that anybody backslides overnight i don't believe that they just wake up one morning they were filled with the holy ghost the, the night before and and God was good to them, and they uh, they had a miracle in their life, and the next morning they wake up and say, bless God, I think I'll go rob myself a bank today. I think I'll get uh, stone drunk today and get as high as, a, as I possibly can. I'm going to look for some crack, and I'm going to do all this thing. I don't believe that that's the way it works. It is the small things, and this is where we find them. It didn't happen overnight. It was little things that were let get down. The Bible says uh, that it is the small foxes that spoil the vines. They, they look cute and they look harmless, but those little things, they come in and they, they, they create destructive things that, that before it's over with, the entire vineyard is destroyed. Sometimes things that look cute can tear some things up. My daughter Morgan and Christian they went out and they bought themselves a a, a little a, a little puppy and he is cute. I mean they they he is a cute dog. What kind of dog is that? Golden Golden Retriever, Golden Retriever. He's about 9 weeks old and he's just full of fluff and fur and and just and we'll be on the phone with her and I'll be listening to my wife having conversation with her. And that dog is so cute and they just love him. They play with him and he comes, you know, they keep him in the house. and They take him outside when he needs to use the bathroom and stuff like that. And most of the time they're successful with that stuff. But but every once in a while we'll, we'll hear him and, and she'll say, uh, Harvey, no, no, no. And she'll have to get off the phone real quick because he's chewing on something, destroying something. And they don't live in, in a, a 55, 60-year-old house like we do. You know, they live in a brand-new home, and and so they've got all this brand-new furniture, and everything in their house is just a few months old, really, and all of a sudden they found out that this dog can tear some things up. He's cute. He can be
0: destructive. There's a reason that things are so bleak. Judah has fallen into idolatry, and it was led there by their king, their leader, Uzziah.
1: Uzziah started his reign at a very young age of 16. <laughs> and I think back to when I was 16. That's 40 years ago now. 40 years have gone by. But I think back to when I was 16, probably my sophomore, junior year of high school. My biggest worry about uh, back then at 16 was, you know, if I was going to pass my driver's ed test, you know, and, and the the coach was our driver's instructor, and he would take us out in the car, and I can remember, you know, I, I I was apt to be able to do all that kind of stuff. Growing up, you know, the way that I grew up, it was mini bikes and motorcycles and go-karts, and on the farm, we were driving tractors and all that stuff, so I was accustomed. I felt like I could... I could drive good. And I I could. I I had no problem. I knew where everything was at. I didn't have to be taught most of that stuff. But there's one thing that that I wasn't taught, and that was to pay attention. You know, I was real proud of the fact that I was driving. I wanted everybody to see, this is me. I'm actually in the driver's seat. And and there is a reason that uh, they put one of those safety brakes on the passenger side in those instructor's cars. And I got to find out why. We were driving down the road one day, and the coach was sitting over there, and somebody else was in the back seat, and I'm just driving along. And and we're driving down the street, and I see some guys that I wanted, and I wanted them to see me. And the coach was waving at them. He was paying attention. And next thing you know, I'm waving at them. I'm like, hey, look who it is behind the wheel. And about that time, my forehead almost went through the windshield because the coach saw what I didn't see, and he slammed the brake on his side before I rear-ended another car.
0: Greatest worries that I had, this guy
1: is running a country. And in the beginning, he proved to be a pretty good king. As a matter of fact, Israel prospered so much under his reign that there was no king more prosperous than Uzziah except for Solomon. 2 Kings 15 and 3 tells us that Uzziah, started off good, and the Lord was pleased with him, and this is what the Bible says, because he did right in the sight of God. He did right in the sight of the Lord. There are blessings. That that does not not secure you in the fact that you're never going to struggle, you're never going to have a problem or trial, but when we do right in the sight of God, there are things that come our way that don't just naturally come our way. Good things, blessing, it opens up God's ability to bless His children when they do right in His sight. I know we don't like hard times, we don't like trials, but I will say this, that trials and difficult times, they make me realize my need for God. Trials do. Hard times do. I understand that that there are some things that I can't fix. There are some things that I can't write a checkout for and make go away. There's some things that that I have to depend upon God, and that's not a bad thing. We need to have an understanding that we need Him. But then there are other things, blessings that come. Some people can't handle trials, and some people can't handle blessings. Some people backslide when the hard times come while others gravitate towards God, and then some people that I've seen when everything is good, they begin to back away from God,
0: while others thank God for the blessings
1: and understand that the blessings came from God. Uzziah was a great success. History tells us he built walls to protect his people and He supplied his fighting men with the best armor and the best weapons. He even had machines built that were placed upon the wall of the city that would shoot arrows and throw boulders at enemies. And and these things made him famous and feared throughout the land. And, And everybody that knew Uzziah, talked about Uzziah, admired him. He was what we would call a great success.
0: Being successful wasn't his problem.
1: I believe that God wants us to be successful. I do. I believe God has blessed some of you that are sitting here in your businesses and in your occupations, and he has called you to be a a success, and he is helping you to be a success. There's some of you that are sitting here, you are understanding the power of having the anointing walk with you while you go through your daily routines. God, I believe, wants his people to be successful, but not at the expense of becoming prideful.
0: And that was Josiah's downfall.
1: The Word of God tells us that he became puffed up with pride and it caused him to do something very foolish and overstep some boundaries that God had laid out for the sanctuary. And he goes in to burn incense. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16 says, but when he was strong, when he was on top, when he was victorious, when everything was going good and all eyes were upon him and everybody was admiring him and saying, Way to go, Uzziah.
0: His heart was lifted up.
1: The NIV NIV, uh, says, filled with pride. His heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now, the priest at the time, Azariah, he tried to put a stop to this. He even took 80 of the other priests along with him, and he went in knowing that the king was about to overstep his boundaries. You know, there's a lot of power that comes with being king and, and a lot of heady things, and, and I believe that things went so well for him that he got to uh, looking at himself in a way that he should not have looked at himself. And he goes into the temple and he says, you know what, I don't need the man of God anymore. I believe that I'm going to burn incense for myself. And Azariah steps in with the other eight and he says, please, king, don't do this. This is not right. This is not good. You're stepping out of bounds here. You're trespassing in a place that even you as king are not allowed to be. And God will not look at what you are doing as honorable because this is not your place. But instead of allowing himself to be corrected by godly authority, there's a great lesson right here. This is really the separating line between spiritual spiritual success and spiritual failure. See, a lot of people want a preacher in their life. There's some that don't want a pastor in their life. There's a great difference between having a preacher in your life and having a pastor in your life. You know how many times I get phone calls for people that don't have anybody to bury them, and they're just seeking out somebody, just somebody calling me? I've, I've done funerals for total strangers before. That is not an easy thing to do. Spiritual maturity, humility will allow, and I'm talking about me. I'm throwing myself right into this same category. I need a pastor in my life. I need a spiritual authority in my life. Yes, God has given me some authority in the Spirit by the position that He has called me to step into, and I don't take that lightly. I understand that there's some things that sometimes, and I'm the I'm the kind of of, of a pastor that I think it, uh, likes to have a lot of fun and likes to laugh and. Likes to have a lot of friends going uh, around me and and a lot of good things happening around me. But there are times when God says, okay, you're going to have to step in that pulpit and you may ruffle a few feathers. And some of those feathers that you ruffle may even be your own. And that's when I find in my own heart how much pride I have. Am I willing to be directed? Am I willing? allow somebody to speak things into my life that I may not be super comfortable with or am I just bound and determined to do my own thing? Who is my king?
0: And I find out a little bit about
1: myself. Who's ruling in my life? Has pride become my king? Or is Jesus Christ still my king? Has pride become who I follow? Or am I still interested in what his word has to say and what his spirit has to do in my life?
0: Uzziah said, Not interested in what you have to say, not interested in your instruction. Instead of stepping back in humility, he did much the same as Saul did. He became very angry, very furious. And I believe it was in that moment that Uzziah was no longer king of Judah, but pride became. King.
1: It is a scary, dangerous place when pride takes over rulership and becomes king.
0: What could have been avoided
1: by humility changed his legacy. The Bible tells us that he was stricken with leprosy on the spot. Now, I'm thanking God today that we do not live in the Old Testament times. God did a little bit of this back then. People stepped across the line. God just showed a little bit of heavy-handed judgment. Today, we live in a dispensation of grace. I'm thankful for grace. Anybody else thankful for grace? I'm thankful that God just doesn't strike us down like like he used to do some back in the Old Testament. but, But we... We are under a different covenant, the New Testament, the new covenant, the new agreement between God and man where we have been shown grace and mercy, and it's new every day and and, and is sufficient for for every single one of us. I'm grateful that we live in that time, but, but Uzziah did not live in that time. He was under a different agreement. God looked at what he did, and he said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. You're the leader of my people, and here you are. You're usurping some authority that was never never intended for you to have, you have crossed a line that I will no longer ignore.
0: Stricken with leprosy, and he deals with
1: that leprosy for the rest of his life. And everything that he accomplished was swallowed up in that moment, and none remembered him for the good that he had done because pride became his legacy.
0: Pride was his downfall. The sixth
1: chapter of Isaiah struck me so strongly the other day. I wrote myself a note to study it out, because there's a change that takes place. I, I asked myself, did I?" why did Isaiah start this chapter off the way that he did that? I thought it was just a strange way. That's the first thing that really captured my attention. Why did he start off by saying in the year that King Uzziah died? And I know there, there are some things that's a, that is kind of a major thing to take place, you know, but usually when I, when I talk about something, I want to go back. I I don't usually go to my um, person that I'm talking to and say, you know, in the year that, that Ronald Reagan died, Strange way to open up a conversation. It struck me that the reason that he must have said it this way was he was trying to define some type of timeline to say, when Uzziah died, it represented something great. Could there be a message here for somebody like me that might read and dig a little deeper into what Isaiah was trying to say that the casual reader might often miss. Because I believe that Isaiah said that that way because something happened in the year that Uzziah died. Something took place when King Uzziah passed off of the scene and was no longer rulership of uh, uh, of Judah, something changed. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne.
0: Something happened when the king that was filled with pride
1: was no longer standing in between God's people and God. Pride separates us from God, but Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting high upon the throne, and it wasn't just at some uh, abnormal time, but it coincided when Uzziah died. It was when pride was removed from the country that God was able to be seen clearly again. And when he saw him, he said he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. I believe something began to well up inside of Isaiah, and he said, no longer are we going to be a nation of defeat, but there is going to be victories coming our way again. Pride has separated us. Pride had defeated us. Pride has caused our enemies to overtake us, but now we're looking at a different dispensation. Pride had been removed, and God can begin to bless his people and bring victories to us again. Verse two says, "Above it all stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings: two they covered their face with, and two they covered their feet with, and two they they flew, they flew." One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. There's some things here when I began to break this down, I began to see that the Spirit of God was able to move again, that things began to flow again like God wanted them to flow, but... Pride had blocked God from doing what he wanted to do. And you see all of a sudden what they maybe hadn't seen in a long time, but Isaiah said angelic activity resumed in the land of Judah when pride
0: was removed. post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke.
1: People began to hear the voice of the Lord again. It began to shake the very foundations of the things that had caused them to fall away from God. I pray for our community. I pray for... Our county. I pray for the the surrounding uh, churches around us. I, I pray for the drug dealers in this town. I pray for those that are alcoholic. I pray for those that are going through terrible divorces. I pray for the people of this city that do not know God. And there are times when it feels like it just bounces off the ceiling. But I'm telling you this much, when pride is removed, God's voice will be heard in our community, in our families. I believe that God is wanting pride to be removed, to be thrown away, to be uh, separated from his people so that his voice can begin shaking again the very foundations of the things that are destroying so many of our friends. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One of the angels, having a live coal in his hands from off the altar, laid it on his mouth, and said, This has touched your lips. Your sin is taken away. He said, Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? For our music would come today. And who will go
0: for us? I believe
1: God's still asking that question of his people today. I believe that the word of God is very, very true and that truly the fields are white, ready for harvest.
0: When God looks around. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of the nature of our nation today. You can find a job today if you want to work.
1: I remember back in the late 80s and early 90s, Finding a job was tough. There was a lot of people wanting to work, and there were very few jobs to be had. Now there's a lot of jobs to be had, and it seems like there's very few people that want to work. How often have we driven up to a place, and it's closed, and you're like, why is that closed? There's a little sign on the door, no staff today. Not enough staff to keep the doors open. Where where did, how did we get here? How did we get here? Small steps in the wrong direction. That may be the case in our nation, but never let it be said of this church. Never let it be said of this church when God. Says, I've got a job for somebody to do. Is there any takers? Is there somebody that will make that phone call? Is there somebody that will write that letter? Is there somebody that will send that card? Is is there somebody that will that will just walk through Walmart, even though you don't need anything, and you're just walking through, seeing if the Lord might send somebody your direction that you can invite to the house of the Lord. I appreciate a conversation I have with somebody from this church just recently that was very bothered by the fact that they did not feel like they were able to be effective where they were at. They felt like God had called them there. God had placed them there for a purpose and a reason. I pray to God that all of us feel bothered if we're not reaching out to the lost. God, convict me, Lord. Convict me if, I'd, if I quit caring about the person that needs to know you. I wonder how many people woke up this morning trying to figure out how to pray, and in their desperate situations, they just don't know where to turn, and Maybe a prayer was said that went something like this. God, if there is a God out there, would you send somebody my direction? If you're real and you really do care, I have no clue what to do, where to go, what to say, how to pray. God, if you really do care, would you just send somebody my way to kind of lead me down the path, takes me to a better life. Would you stand with me today? We're waiting for everything to be perfect before we feel like we can reach out to somebody that's lost. We'll be waiting forever because that's never going to be perfect. Isaiah's time was not perfect. It had just begun for the pendulum to swing back in the right direction. And the Lord said, whom shall I send and who will go? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, most of the time I pray that your burden is light. But right now I'm going to pray that we feel the weight of this burden. It's a congregation of people that have been filled with the most precious gift ever delivered to mankind. We carry with us the gift of the Holy Ghost, God's spirit dwelling within us, and God has been dealing with me deeply about my witness and about the witness of this church. I just ask the Lord to place a burden upon each and every heart that's in this place today. It matters when you're at work, it matters when you're shopping for your groceries. It matters when you're setting, eating your your food and that waiter or that waitress is walking up to your table. It matters where your conversation goes. It may not matter for you. You may go on through life and serve God and wind up spending eternity in heaven, but what matters most is for the person who may not get that opportunity because we've missed our moment just to convey a love, a smile, a kind word. Blossoming friendship. We're busy. We are all busy. But I cannot become so busy that I miss the opportunity to reach out to someone. It was late at night a couple of nights ago. It's already very, very cold. I found myself having to run down to the store to pick up something that I had to have for today. I didn't want to go. I just wanted to go home and get where it was warm, but I had to. I was in a big hurry. It was late. I just wanted to get home. On my way into the store, there was somebody headed out. I wouldn't have noticed it much, although I, I recognize the guy, he works at that store. He's been to this church before. I try to befriend him that oftentimes he's not been very reciprocal. He's not been ever rude or just, and I'm like, okay. But I still try to say hello and I still try, I don't want to interject myself someplace that I'm not wanted, but but I think to say hi is still good. How you doing? Good to see you. I'll force him into a conversation. I was on my way in and he was on his way out, and he he, he was having to ride a bicycle home. And I blew past him, I said, hey. Actually, before I said hey to him, he kind of went past me one way, and there was a sign that blocked. I was looking to say hello to him, and we did not make eye contact, and I was just gonna head on in, grab what I needed to grab, and then get on home. And I got thinking, oh. And so I turned around and I ran back out and I called his name. I said, Hey, it's cold outside. I said, I've got my truck. I said, if you want to, I'll give you a lift home. I'll give you a lift home. Oh, that's okay. I'll be all right. I said, "No," I said, it's, "It's, it's cold." I said, "Let me give you a ride." He said, "I'm good. I'll be okay." I said, "All right. All right." I almost, I almost missed that opportunity. And I, Even though he didn't accept my offer, his heart knew that I cared. I cared enough to stop. And I almost missed that. And I'm asking God to help me every day of this year to not miss any moments. Whether they are a recipient of it, whether they say yes or no, God, don't let me get in such a hurry that I miss the very Point and reason for why I'm here. Don't let me get so puffed up with pride, God, about about the things that I have to do in the business of my life that that, that, that I, I don't have time when somebody's screaming and crying out, dear God, let somebody speak to me. Would you show me somebody to love me? I want to open this altar up today. You're some of the most precious people I've ever met in my life. I don't think pride is a huge issue here, but I do think sometimes busyness can get in our way. I wonder if we couldn't take just a few moments on a very cold, very cold January Sunday morning to just come before the Lord and find a place and submit our will to His Say, God, if you see something in me, Lord, if there's some pride, God, that's not been dug out, if there's something in me, if I'm so busy, God, that I can't even take the time when I come to church to give you a few moments of my time because I've got other things on my mind that I need to get to. God, would you help me? God, would you help me check my pride I don't want pride to become my king. I don't want busyness to become my king because it will separate me from God's perfect.
0: Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.